microphone stand is squeaky as fuck. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, and I am joined by Alex Lockton. That's your name. I'm here two weeks in a row. I cannot believe it. It has happened. I have four weeks of summer holiday in between writing my thesis. You know what I just realized? Yes. So uh, I've been getting recognized more consistently on Moto, which I think is really weird. Uh, because, of course, my screen name of Moto is the same as everything else, Bradsifer, which also is my thing, my name on Playing Pioneers, my articles. I don't have my name just as Brad. So I have I, I've unintentionally tied myself really intertwined. Yeah, like your name made it a brand. I'm yeah. just Alex. Yeah, exactly. And like, I was thinking, like, I wonder why Alex hasn't been noticed on Moto at all. And I remember your fucking screen name is just your first and last name. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> we never say your full I, I name. Did, I did the standard magic thing, right? Where you just do first name, last name. But the problem is I'm not American, so most people can pronounce my last name. So it gets complicated. Yeah, I just, I, I just, you know, you, oh, oh, Alex, I have the best screen name for you now. You should yes. change your name to Alex Lockwain, like Castle Lockwain. <laughs> No, then people still can't find me. Or am I the only person who never spells Lockwain correctly? Like, when I make deck lists. I just, like, <laughs> do something. I just, and then if it's not correct... If you just put Castle it, L-O-C-H, so it autofills for you and you're fine. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, Alex Lockwain. That would actually... That's actually pretty good. Yeah. You should do it. I might, I might have to reconsider that, yeah. Now... Word of advice. Can you change your screen name on Moto? No. What I had to do is I had to make a, make new, a account, new account. Oh, my God. And I paid for the new account, which was like five bucks. Though, I will say, though, it was worth it. Because my old one was my old gamer tag on Xbox, which was I Am The Meme. Um, so if you ever played against uh, I Am The Meme on Moto, that was me. Uh, but like a month or two ago, I, I, I made Bradsiver on Moto. I, tr- I basically I, I spent like 30 minutes opening up two moto clients at the same time logged into i am the trading i just traded everything to myself uh which for you it'd be much faster because i imagine your card pool and the amount of cards you have on your account right now yeah not that much yeah because mine was like twelve thousand cards (laughs) i had to trade Took I mean, a for while. me, it's basically my Grixis deck, and I do have like a bunch of like the commons and uncommons. They give you two copies of you, and, yeah, and you get that again when you make your new account, and it's the newer sets, which is kind of nice, yeah, because there are some powerful commons and uncommons in the newer sets that are nice to have as uh, your two ofs and stuff. I'll consider it. It is a good name. I'll be it's honest. a great Alex name. Lockthwain I'm proud of myself for coming up with it. <laughs> I'm. I might have to like claim that one soon right definitely i think i'll just claim it tomorrow and i'll see if i do it but i'll just claim it make the account. you should also i mean you could consider it being your thing on twitter too the simul bowls is great True. but alex lockthwain is more on theme yeah <laughs> god damn it. i'm gonna have to message this to myself <laughs> before i forget you're welcome on being your uh, your brand manager now Okay, but now there's... Uh, ad- ad- eventually, I will learn to spell Lockthwain then, so that's kind of cool. Uh, 
So, we have Alex's new screen name for everyone. There you go. But of course, we're back. We have Alex here again for two weeks in a row, like you said. That's fucking insane. Wow. I know. And we're going to have a bit more of a streamlined episode for once in our entire life. Uh, I mean, it doesn't always... At least we intend yes, to. Yes, we intend to. We're heading into it with a plan, and it will derail. I've like, already derailed We already it. derailed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but come on. It, it, it was a great, it was a great True. way to derail. It was a worthy derail. Right? In the trolley problem, like, this was, this was a very clean case of you had to pull the lever, right? We yeah. had to derail this thing. Uh, but we're basically going to go over a few things today. Uh, we're not going to go over the challenges like we usually do. Um, and I think this might be something that we could um, do a bit more often moving forward rather than you guys can give us the feedback on it. As authors and people involved in playingpioneer.com, we have the wonderful tier list on Playing Pioneer. Uh, and we're going to refer to the tier list for a little bit to give a quick meta update. Um, as opposed to just going through the 32 decks of like two challenges, like, like just total 64 decks. Um, we can do a mixture of both in the future. Like here's a tier list. Here's some top eights. Like this is why it's here, that kind of thing. But we're basically going to give a quick r- rundown and uh, kind of see where we feel if everything is at it or if, if we feel decks are where they should be. And it was what I mean to say. Um, and yeah, all that bullshit. So I guess we'll start there. Looking at the Playing Pioneer tier list right now, the cool thing that I'm actually a huge fan of that uh, the team decided to do this week was uh, forego the S tier. There are no decks in S tier right now. Um, there is, if you go on the website, there's a little thing for an explanation. I'm not going to read all the explanations on each deck. I am going to read a little bit of the S tier one just so you guys have an idea of why. Uh, it says, readers will notice that we've decided to forego the inclusion of S tier on this week's tier list. Despite Ractus Midrange is a Phoenix placing double the copies of the rest of the decks on the tier list, our competitive guides believe that starting this week's tier list at A is more emblematic of the power level across the format as opposed to placing decks based purely on raw numbers thanks to deck popularity. With the format seemingly starting to settle into a more stable hierarchy, this can be expected to be the status quo going forward until deck performance shifts enough to warrant the return to S tier level rankings. So there's that. Makes sense. I agree with it. I don't know if you agree with it, Alex. The the thing I have with like about this tier list is that obviously this is written by um, by the people from Playing Pioneer who are way more like in the thick of things, right, than I am. Yeah, it's all um, the grinders and stuff. It's uh, yeah, carnage. So it it, it, it it's hard to go against their judgment. I will say I I can see their reasoning. Um, we'll we'll get into. I guess we could just quickly pop out what they make of the tears abc yep you know read it out you can always read this up yourself read further explanations i think at this point most decks have a little intro uh so if you click on them you gotta get rocked down on what the deck does um some of them written by i mean they've basically been written by most of the team so most people have contributed contributed a few at this point i forgot which ones i wrote probably most of the control decks um, I wrote the Rectus Midrange it, one. And I think I wrote the Ensoldex. Um So, is it Phoenix and Rectus Midrange in A tier? You know, Rectus Midrange, the deck that everyone claims is bad, but is somehow good. B tier, Lotus Field Combo, Humans, Boros Heroic, Rectal Sacrifice, Azorius Control, Mono Blue Spirits, and Mono Green Karn. 
Sea tear, is it prowess, is it creativity, band spirits, monored aggro, and D tear, Esper Grease Fang, Enigmatic Fires, Niftelide, Demir Control, and Junt Food. Now, my initial hunch is that I think two decks are missing. And it is the Is It Pyromancer deck that has become very popular. Now, for the people who are unaware of this deck, it's somewhat new. It's it's based on an old idea. I uh, think when Ikoria came out and we got the card... Yeah, sorry. I do want to say before you uh, keep going, I believe that is the slot of the Is It Prowess deck at the moment. Uh, young oh, young that Pyromancer be... and Of One Mind, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wait, we don't have Is It Prowess, right? As... Oh, wait, Is It Prowess is in. Yeah, is that the Of One Mind deck? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's Of One Mind, Elijah Shredder. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just know it is Is It Pyromancer, but this is Is It Prowess, so that makes sense. Uh, so that deck is in. Now, again, I do want to point out because it's a new deck, at least in a new form. Um,. Is it Prowess was obviously the expressive iteration, Treasure Cruise deck, generally the one, basically Phoenix, but foregoing the extra turn spells. And just going straight up, card draw, yeah. burn, um, Prowess creatures. And obviously, is it iteration, uh, uh, expressive iteration got banned, and people have been looking for a card to replace it. In Phoenix, this has generally been strategic planning. Uh, strategic planning, I think, is always, uh, especially people who might like haven't played for a while or they're stuck with their old Phoenix deck. I think strategic planning is the easy swap. What I like a lot about strategic planning in these decks is that it still goes three deep to find you your land. So your if you need it, so your land situation doesn't change, right? In terms of the deck configuration of like wanting to play. Um, when you call that wanting to play expressive iteration where it could make you hit your land drop so your land count could be lower, that math doesn't change if you run strategic planning, which is a lot easier than if you're running a card like, say, Charter Course, where this is only, uh, goes only two cards deep, so the math might actually change mm -hmm. on that card. And that makes it a little more finicky to play with. Um, another deck... That I'm missing if I'm I'm before I make a fool out of myself again. <laughs> I see here mono green Karn. I'm pretty sure I'm missing mono green devotion, and where I don't mean the Karn, but I mean the beatdown deck, the um, burning tree emissary, Vivian uh, yeah. have an actual sideboard uh, beatdown plan. Well, I don't. I'm missing that deck, which I have seen pop up. I've seen good things about it. The only thing is, so I'm, I, I think yeah. that's because there's not really any representation of it in challenges. Whereas we, I, I mean, I see it pop up in five O lists a lot. Um, there, it's it's it has a list in the uh, the the five O dump from today, and another one in the one from what a few days ago, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, so maybe it's just I see it a lot on Twitter, and but it might actually not put up a lot of challenge results, which keeps it back from being ranked mm. highly I could see that yeah um, but going at the top A tier being is a Phoenix Rakdos midrange uh, I think I agree with that is a Phoenix is still really good even without expressive iteration it's just kind of gone a bit more low to the ground um, it's been a bit more aggressive it taps out a lot more um, which I mean it did before but you it, it that turn two 
turn one it, it left up mana a lot uh but now it can kind of be a bit more aggressive um with your like charter courses uh your um strategic plannings that kind of thing and of course that galvanic iteration temporal trespass plan of like I I've, I don't know how many times you've seen him like on streams or whatever, Alex, but I've seen several times, uh, like even with Doomwake's uh, streams where they go, players go up against Phoenix, they have them at two life, and then they just go Temporal Trespass, Galvag Iteration like twice, and then they win. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it turns out Time Stretch is still a broken magic card. Yeah. If you can do it for five mana. It's crazy. Like, yeah, it's insane. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm fine with Phoenix there. Midrange is just a deck that will be really well positioned against these kind of game plans. I mean, as long as Phoenix is a top deck, Midrange will be right up with it for Rakdos. Fable's still really good. Shauna's good. Um, having made that Kalidus a lot of these decks, like, it kind of keeps aggro at bay. Uh, I mean, of, of course, the main deck, Kalidus deck, will be good against aggro, right? So yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with mid range being where it is. Um, I just God, I want to see more renditions of it. We're seeing some tenacious underdogs being played and that kind of thing, and that's pretty much where the innovation starts and stops. Um, maybe this is just the best thing you can be doing with with Miraculous mid range, but I don't know. The the main innovations I'd see in a deck are actually in its sideboard generally speaking. Like, I see a lot of stuff happening there with, like, different removal spells, mm-hmm. uh, different game plans. We see, like, Invoke Despair. Which is for the mirror. Demon. Phenomenal uh, mirror. Yeah. Like, we see those type of cards pop up quite a bit. Um, but not much really changes in the main deck, but I do think that's not too surprising. We see a lot of recent printings in the like Rectal's mid range is basically a deck that like half its half the deck is from last year, right? Yeah. With like Graveyard Trespasser, Blood Tithe Harvester, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Tenacious Underdog. Like the glue of this deck is basically the reasonable early game cards it got. Where like we already all know that four mana Chandra is a good card, and we know that Kalidus is a good card when it sticks. But if you don't actually get to pair Kalidus with a good card, then Kalidus is obviously not going to be as good. So I think that's a big part in it. Yeah, I think it's strength. a huge part of the deck. And I think the reason that Kalidus is better now that we have Fable, because if you go turn three Fable, let's say you go like turn one, Thoughtseize, or hold up Fatal Push. Turn two, um, you go into Blood Dive Officer or Tenacious Underdog. Turn three, you go Fable. And then turn four... You swing in with your uh, your goblin if it lived, make a treasure, land drop, play, play Kalidus on curve, hold up the treasure in like a fatal push, and you can also revolt the fatal push with... Um, yeah. So like that that makes Kalidus so much better that you can play like Kalidus, Kalidus on curve. also works well with Blood Tithe Harvester. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is a zero mana removal spell that you can combine with Kalidus on the same turn, which is really awesome. Yeah, the, the the deck is just really good. It's it's but we talked about I this think, last week where it's like is it is it a is it a pretender kind of thing because a lot of streamers are like why is this deck good? It's just it's just a bunch of cards. But like sometimes No, but if they're all good, yeah, sometimes right? it works. 
I mean, Niv Delight is just a collection of cards. But it's also not good. <laughs> it's just it's just Claudio or Bust, right? I mean, I don't know. I think the deck's still fine, right? I think, I think this is a thing I do always want to add to tier lists. And I think I had an exchange, well, a little thing with this on Twitter, which is basically like, so we see um, we see all these tiers, right? So a lot of people will read S tier and read that's the deck I should play. But I think for a large for a large part, tier lists are kind of bollocks. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, half of how good a deck is is how it matches up against other decks. Yeah. Where MTGO is just one meta. Like, MTGO is basically a local meta. It's just a game store that a million people attend, but it is a local meta to a degree. Yeah. So, like, if I go to a Pioneer FNM here, I know that, uh, you know, Sufjan shows up to all of them. Shout out to Sufjan, great guy. Um, he always plays aggro, mostly mono-red. So, I know if I go to an FNM, I'm probably facing that. So, like, your your local meta is... A friend of mine who often goes with plays Rakdos Midrange. Another friend of mine who often goes with is an Izzet Phoenix player. Um, so, I can, I can sort of see how my local meta lines up. And also, the difference between an A-tier and a B-tier deck is not night and day. Right? If we have a 54% deck and a 52% deck... We might call those A and B, but unless you're a grinder that plays a hundred matches of Magic a week, that that's not really gonna show mm -hmm. that difference. And it comes down so much more to uh, how comfortable are you with a deck, how good are you at piloting a deck, uh, how good are you at playing around hate with a deck, how much fun do you have with a deck. I definitely feel like fun weighs in for a lot of people. Of course. Uh, I, I'm not going to look it up, but I, I had this exchange on Twitter, which to a degree was just like, I always find that if I play a deck that is fun, I play better because I can keep playing for longer. So either I'm playing an FNM that is very long, or I'm playing a, da uh, a, a match that really drags out to like near time. If I'm having more fun piloting the deck, it is easier for me to keep playing at my best. And all these things add up, and kind of transcend the idea of the tier list. So if you take a D-tier deck, like if you're an Esper Greasefang player, but you're really good at Esper Greasefang, and you really like Esper Greasefang, and you feel like it lands well in your local meta, you're probably better off playing Esper Greasefang than an A-tier deck. I, I think people get too hung up on uh on tier list which is you know it's it's one of the main things that we have on the website so it's like hi i'm talking down on the website obviously tier lists are useful uh especially when you attend larger tournaments because also tier lists are basically self-fulfilling prophecies right yeah because people get really hung up on tier lists so i know no sadly none of my uh all my store championships nearby are modern and the only RCQ or whatever it's called that we have nearby is also modern. So sadly, this doesn't apply because everyone's just playing Fury for zero mana while my only modern deck is Elves. Um, so fuck me. But if I go to a local tournament now, like an RCQ, I can look at a tier list and look what does well and use that as a way to gauge the meta. 
So if I look at this, I'll be like, right, so is it Phoenix or Rectal's midrange? They are pointed out as being the best decks, which they probably are, like, baseline, if we don't consider things like piloting skill, which if people are more fresh into a metagame, piloting skill doesn't matter because they're going to, quote-unquote, suck at piloting every deck. So in that case, I can see, okay, I see Niftalite in D tier. Um, is it Phoenix in A tier? So I should probably have a better plan for Phoenix than for Niv. Because I'm going to face it more often. So I think it's good in deciding, like, hey, how am I going to, you know... And then, obviously, you're thinking, oh, there's a little Phoenix. There are certain sideboard things I can do to make the matchup better. But there's also just certain decks I can play to make the matchup better. So I think tier lists are still a helpful tool. But I wouldn't get too hung up on... Oh, I can. I I'm playing a B tier deck. Should I be playing an A tier deck? It's like, no. Yeah. No. I mean, pilot skill trumps everything. You could be playing. Yeah. A, you could be playing a D tier deck, but if you are the most experienced pilot with that, again, what do we see in D tier? Isn't Niv to light down there? Yeah, Niv is in D tier, and Claudio just claps everyone with D with with yeah. the D, default D tier deck. He will top eight challenges. He'll five zero enigmatic fires. Is a an enigmatic fires is a D tier deck, rightfully so, because of how difficult it is to pilot. Yeah, and if so, your average player picks up enigmatic fires, they're gonna O two drop an event. Yeah, and th- that's just how it works. Um, so as long as you can pilot the deck to the best of your ability and you're really good at it, play whatever you want. Use the use the tier list as a tool to look at how the meta is shaping up. But also keep in mind your local meta, because if you're going to locals, are you going to see... I think another useful thing about tier lists is that if you're getting, you're new to the format or you're looking for a new deck, they're a good place to look for a deck that you know is at least not going to suck. Which might sound a little weird, but like if you're getting new to the format, you're like, oh, I've got all these ideas for these decks. What should I play? But I don't want to play a deck that sucks. Well, maybe don't start from scratch building your 2017 standard deck that you can remember and ending up with like, well, this was like 2019, but ending up with some Nissa who shakes the world Sultai emergent ultimatum pile and be like, well, this was good in standard. It's like, no, then you can, it's useful to start at a tier list. So you can see, okay, I see it's some options. Okay, I see humans. I like humans. That's going to be my starting off point. I think that's what they're very useful for. Yeah. And, I mean, the tier list is pretty much built on performance. Like, it's not extremely subjective. It's very much like, okay, this is how many top eights this one has. This is the presence, yeah. whatever. Which is also why, again, this is a weekly tier list. It changes every week, so it can shift up and down based on how the meta adapts and evolves. It's why you've seen the downtrend of Monogreen Karn, for example, because people are figuring out how to tech against it. Um, still an amazing deck that's extremely explosive and will win you games. But if Turns out, play creatures, kill Karn. Yeah. But... One thing to keep in mind is there is a monthly tier list that goes up as well, which that one is probably a bit more useful to look at um, over on MetaShares if you look at the previous month's um, kind of view. But again, we're what? Two months away from uh, Dominaria coming out. So everything's going to change again. Yeah, we're 
we're in that amazing period where everyone spends the rest of the year complaining like oh we're getting too many sets it changes too quickly i'm getting fatigue and then we play this like then we get in this period and we spend a month playing magic and people call for bands because nothing's changing yeah like that's just the the amazing period that we always end up in where i'm just like you guys just do not know what you want <laughs> and the people that are calling for bands are calling for bands based on their play experience at their locals or like 50 or not 50 but like leagues and like of course you're going to see mono green on a league of course you're going to see Rackers yeah. mid region in a league or Monobu Spirits. Does that mean we need a ban Curious Obsession? No. Like Oh. Oh, I played that standard bad. Yeah. That was Ban Curious Obsession. Dude. Looks at a format with like nineteen one mana removal spells in it, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Alex, I I remember I, I got back into magic after like a year hiatus um, of like just not going to locals or playing actual like magic. And I came back, it was the FNM, um, the day before the release of, um, uh, or it was the day before rotation, where Omniket and stuff like that was the last day it was legal. And I I was like, I don't want to play with an Omniket, like, uh, Omniket deck um, and those old cards because they're going to be gone anyway if I'm getting back into it. So I, was, I looked up on Goldfish, like, what's the cheapest deck I can buy right now and just play it? And it was Mono Blue Tempo. And I was like, all right. And I 5-0'd that night, having zero experience playing the deck. <laughs> it was it was old Tempest Gin, Cure's Obsession. Oh, like, yeah, Tempest Gin. Yeah, it, it was fucking sweet. And I misplayed like crazy, I'm sure. And I'm just like, this deck is just, you, you pull ahead. It's good. You kind of claps. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got Witness Protection and shit. God, and it and it's now has the spirits uh, for all that. I get, yeah, I, I have it in paper. It's fun. I like it. But yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with the tier list. Um, but yeah, play what you want. I mean, who the, who the fuck am I to judge, Brad? <laughs> 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 like all these people who world on this list are way better at magic than I am, right? <laughs> like... Yeah, that's what happens when you played a lot more. Um, True. But yeah, I guess uh, we can just move on to like some cool 5-0-less that we like uh, looking at uh, some of these dumps. Um, I guess while I peruse the list, Alex, you had a few you wanted to kind of point out. I mainly had, well, four lists, but they're basically two lists that I wanted to point out. One is, um, it is by uh, Dimitri QED, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And it was... It's just Demir Phoenix. Now, it's technically Grixis Phoenix because it obviously has the Phoenixes and it has a Blood Crypt and a Steam Vents mm. uh, in the list. But this is just straight up Demir using Consider, Ledger Shredder, Collective Brutality, uh, and to some extent, I suppose, Thought Erasure to um, put Arclight Phoenix in the graveyard. And other than that, it serves a little bit more as a sort of tap out style Demir control deck which I think is just really neat. Um, some interesting things about the deck is that it runs Treasure Cruise and then Dig Through Time because it can't run the Expressive Itera um, Galvanic Iteration Temple Trespass thing because it doesn't run red. Um, Collector Brutality is an interesting card. Kills a lot of things in the format right now. Has um, 
collector brutality and I think also incidentally cards like Blood Chief's Thirst for like the no not Blood Chief's Thirst um, what is the two mana minus two minus two gain two card moment of craving yeah, yeah. Uh, moment of craving collector brutality uh, these cards have fallen out of favor a little bit when mono red got very popular and it ran uh, with the uh, Kumena faces Sokunzan card mm-hmm. because it meant some of the important creatures like Eidolon were entering with three toughness, which meant these cards weren't as good. Now that deck is a little bit less popular, we see the um, the is it Pyromancer decks where you can you know kill some of the important cards before they become a problem. It doesn't kill Ledger Shredder though, but this deck does have four Fatal Push and the Blood Chief Source to deal with that. So I like Collective Brutality and what this deck is trying to do. It runs five Delve spells that draw you cards, so you will regain that card advantage like basically immediately. I don't think this is better than Is It though. With my main thing being, I really think the Pyromancer off one mind package is very strong. Mm-hmm. And I also think in the more that's more sort of the prowess version. And in the more Phoenix-heavy ver- versions, I do think that Galvanic Iteration Temple Trespass combo is just kind of too good to pass up. But I did think the innovation was really cool. Yeah, I I, I like the list. I mean, I there's a lot of weird lists in in, uh, in this dump. Uh, one of them was what there's this Boros mid-range list running the uh, the Outlaw Merriment uh, enchantment. <laughs> Is that also a showdown of the Skulls list, or is it just... Uh, no, it's not. There's not even any in the sideboard. Wow. There's another Outlaw's Merriment in the sideboard, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's straight up Boros mid-range. Charming Prince, Trans Magistrate, Archon of Myria, Bunker's Giant, Brutal Cathar, Skyclave, and it's also running uh, Urbresk, uh the new one from Capetta. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then... See. Chandra. Oh, with Dranet Magistrate, so trying to cheese your opponents out that way. Yeah. Then uh, Chandra, the Wandering Emperor, then just removal, Other Worldly Light, Strangle, Fable Absence. Like, it's kind of funny and portable. And of course, Fable is in this deck as well to be like the glue. Um, I, I can see how it could win. Um, it's not, it doesn't have the Boros problem that you used to have where like removal is so bad because we have Fable Absence, Portable Hole, March, and Strangle is just really good creature removal. So, like, I'm wondering Emperor too. Yeah. So and, and oh, and Chandra just down tick. Get fucked. Um, oh, and Force uh, Skyclave Aberration. So White has so much better removal in Pioneer than it used to. Um, yeah, I think the list is really cool. I think the Outlaws Merriment is kind of goofy. I don't know how good it is, especially because it's random in terms of how you. Uh, I mean, it's really just you. You just want to get a bunch of cardboard on the field. I don't think you particularly care what you get. True. Uh, we see angels. Um, there wasn't. Where was it? There was an Esprit humans list that I liked. I thought was yeah. Really that cute. was the uh, the second thing I wanted to touch on. So the first one was that Phoenix list. The other one, I've I've pulled up just Esprit humans, Bend humans, and five color humans. It's really just a shout out to humans in general. Which I think, as an archetype, is like really opening up. Uh, we see a lot of different builds, so we see all these different color combinations. We've seen mono white humans; it did well last week too. Um, band humans that sort of became popular uh, with Pyro of Hero, without Pyro of Hero, with Collected Company, without Collected Company. 
we see some mix-ups here. So, for example, this band version by II Cloud ZZ Magic runs for Collected Company into Pyre. You mentioned on Twitter about putting Pyre in the sideboard, mm -hmm. heading into grindy matchups because you do want to keep enough good Collected Company hits in the main deck. Which this deck, using two Pyre of Heroes, is on 40 hits in the main deck. Uh, 30, sorry. Now, generally, I don't consider one-drops good hits if I try and build my decks, if I want to really utilize Collected Company to its fullest. If you look at it in that harsh way, you have 24 good hits with six. Uh, it's better than nothing hits. So I think that is still pretty good. Uh, I like in this Pyre of Heroes version, it's not trying to be too greedy. So it just stops at three. But we see the other versions, like the five-color one, that does go up to four. But there's just a single four-mana four card. And it's Blade Historian as a good swing in. Um, do we have the Esper one? The Esper has a singular hostage taker at the top. Especially hilarious to grab your opponent's Pyro of Hero if you're playing the Mirror. <laughs> yeah. So pretty good in the grinding matchup. But overall, there's just a lot of versions of it. There's a lot, there's a lot of play to these lists which i think is really cool a lot of brewing to be done so i think there's uh there's a very good human stack out there i'm still just on the same four color list where i'm gonna try and make some changes i might switch over to pyre um or at least to some copies but again that list is just more aggro but at least it really looks like humans once we get like the a tight grip on how this archetype works exactly i think it's basically going to be a mainstay in pioneer because it seems you can tweak it for any meta you can go grindier you can go faster you can go stacksier you can go more interactive there's like all these different ways that you can take the format and you can take the deck that it seems very hard to think that there is like it seems very hard for there not to be a good humans deck in any given meta. Yeah, I I really like Pyre and the uh, Esper list. Um, though, my only gripe with the Esper list, it's a very light splash of blue. You're only running um, just a one watery grave, and you're playing Reflector Mage and Hostager, and then you're doing your, your eight, uh, you know courtyard and on mm -hmm. them territory so i i and there's no blue in the sideboard whatsoever i i wish there was a little bit more blue because i i like the idea of having the sideboard utilization but i see why the sideboard is also kind of wonky with your one of sin collector there's one night clubber um which is kind of cool i love that um one night clubber so good yeah at least fellbinder brukathar that kind of thing um but having 12 one-drops that are, with eight of them, being ones that you want to go into the graveyard to an extent, or you're at least fine with them being in the graveyard, like Arcfiend's Vessel and Thraven Inspector, really, really... Or not Sorry, not Thraven Inspector, Blood, Bloodslug Champion. Um, really sweet. That can actually make use of your Pyre to kind of climb. And if you think about it, Pyre... Pyre should not be looked at as, like, a turn-two play, typically. Um, I, I kind of look at it as a replacement to Coco in a way of being a turn four play in a lot of cases where you can go immediately 
Pyre on turn four. Yeah, you can, you can you can get it down earlier if you can mix it up with one drops. Mm -hmm. So you can play it on turn two. If on turn three you can go like one drop with some value Pyre it, like that's something you could do with it. Um, but it's not fantastic. You can do it on turn three and like play it along a one drop, and then on turn two you could on turn four you could like play a two drop and immediately pyre that away to get a three drop. Yeah. So there are some early plays to make with it. The the thing that I find about the pyre versus Coco, and to be honest, in a meta full of Rakdos mid range, they are probably right in doing so. Is that it's just a version of grind versus like speed versus mm -hmm. value. Yeah. Where Pyre, I've played with Pyre in Elves, where there's definitely way fewer options in Elves. Where in humans, there's all these different humans you can grab to be removal, to be card advantage, to be protection, to be all these different things. Where Pyre is amazing at grinding value, but it does take a while to get going. Mm -hmm. I would... I think it'd be, it'd be one of those things of like, why are you going to green if you're not going to play Coco. But one thought I had was, wouldn't it be cool to go uh, Eldrick Evolution and then sack an Arcfiend's Vessel and then climb two, go be Extraction Specialist, Grab specialist. And, and get the, get the demon? <laughs> if only Eldritch Evolution was two in a green and not one and two green. Yeah. Your, your mana base would have to be pretty painful. Yeah. Because you'd need the four um, shock lands. Um, I mean, honestly, we, you're talking about like what else you're playing green for. The band one literally plays green for just experiment one and Coco. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like, I mean, if you're going to be going to green, you probably would prefer Coco over Eldritch Evolution being easier to cast. Yeah. And that kind yeah, of thing. yeah, absolutely. Could you imagine I mean, if, if you're in Bant, got... you can also run Neoform. Oh, yeah. Neoform is really sweet. I wish we had a Neoform deck that wasn't Velomachus in the format. I do like the Venomarcus deck, not because it's fun to play against, but I think the innovation is amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Like I, lo I, I love how clever it is. It's a real clever deck. It's just you know. I'm sure the creator feels candy. very smart. Yeah I, think yeah, I just love the fact that you can play Power Word, no, uh, play Heartless Act against it and remove the counter, and you've basically shut down the deck. Yeah, it's, it's a your dra six six dragon is a five five now, and your opponent's just like Darth Vader, like no, <laughs> even though you're like you've lost one power on your creature, but that's just how much it matters. Yeah. Um, the one other deck I want to touch on was the uh, the mono red thick boy deck. My favorite version of mono red will always be one that features Goblin Chain Roller. And that's the thick one where you're just going super mid-rangey with like Shot or Torch of Defiance. I, I think Shot of Dress to Kill is really good, but I like going a bit thicker on the edges a bit. Um, so Spear, Soulscar Mage. Like I love playing Soulscar Mage as well because of just the, the added benefit of it with your removal and stuff. And this one, I was like, when are we going to see a, a thick version but play Fable? Like, Fable seems perfect for that style of deck. And here we go. Here's a, a 5-0 list from uh, Chaya Jom. No idea if I'm saying that correctly. But uh, 
four Fable, then it's like four Swiss Spear, Soul Scar Mage, three Eidolon, four Bone Crusher, four Goblin Chain War, one of Hazard, three Torbrand, one Chandra, three Play of Fire, two Spikefield Hazard, four Lightning Strike, and then your lands and your sideboard. I think this, ooh, what is this? Harness by Force. Nice. Harness by Force costs uh, two and a red more to cast for each target beyond the first. Gain control of any uh, number of target creatures until end of turn. Untap this creatures to gain haste. When the fuck do you cast this? Like, I'm just thinking, what what card are you going to hijack? And when do you want to hijack more than one? Um, That you can't, like, claim the firstborn for a million times the efficiency. Yeah, I, I play two Karizev's Expertise in Rakdos Sack in the sideboard because at least there's a lot of one and two drops that you can play for free after just stealing something, and then you have the sack outlets and everything. Because, um, like, if you yeah, go I, take... I just really want to know. Yeah, I don't know. And there's no there's no um, Nykthos in this deck, so you can't really, like, get a show of devotion. Where, though, Chain Roller, Torbran, Eidolon, and stuff like that would generate you a lot of devotion, actually. I think it might be cool to run a one of Nykthos in this, but your mana might yeah, be kind of tight. Yeah, I do like tight. how clean this is. Yeah, your, your mana seems pretty tight. You're running Castle Embreth. That's like a little bit of extra I value. I don't like Castle Embreth, to be honest. Um, Maybe someone had like a limit on their ticks. That could be. I mean, so they have like two castle, three den, and they were like... Still, still 335 They wanted four den, ticks. and they are like, ah, shave a den. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Fable and the Mirror Breakers where the money's going, right? You take off the den, you get under 350, which maybe there's like a 350 subscription thing that I'm not thinking of. Or they own some of the cards, and they have like a 250 subscription, and they were like, ah, we'll leave, we'll leave one den home. And and there's only one idol, or three idols, and one, I mean, Chandra is an easy, only two ticks, three ticks. I don't know. Yeah, this just keeps the curve lower. It's a 23... 23 lands, two modal double face cards, though. But yeah. So 25 lands, technically. But I, I just love this list. Um, it's super nice. I think Fable's great. Um, I do have some extra Fables that I'm not using in a deck, so I might as well just throw them into my mono red list. I think a friend of mine got the alt art, got a play set of the alt art Fable of the Mirror Breaker for like 10 bucks for the whole place. Yeah, I, I, I got... When it was new, and now it's a little more. I have three playsets of Fable right now. I have one of non-foil regular and then two of foil um, playsets, and I got them all for like pretty cheap when the card first came out. And I'm so sad I didn't pull the trigger on the, on the nicer version. But... It's a it's a great card. I mean, it's it's being played in modern now. That's insane. Yeah. Really, a card that I overlooked drastically. Yeah, absolutely. When I when I saw it, I thought it looked, eh. Card's awesome. Yeah. Were there uh, any other lists you saw that kind of uh, piqued your interest? I mean, of course, there's uh oh wait, there's there's double Claudio on this drop. He played Niv Delight hey, you and know a it's five a good color dropping double. innovation or not innovation. I'm sorry, five color fires with um, uh, enigmatic incarnation. Double Claudio, double the fun baby, and two five color lists, of course. 
Of course, who needs basics? Are there any basics on either of these decks? Uh, there's, there's one forest in the Fires of Invention deck and an island in the forest in the Niv deck. So uh, bring out your uh, <coughs> bring out your Field of Ruins again. To be honest, I've, there's a lot of greedy mana bases in these decks. Yeah, like you can you can whip out your mono red Fires of Invention deck like the the Spike List with four Cleansing Wildfire main four. Field of Ruin main. It even ran like one or two Memorial to War in the main, which you could tutor up with Golos to actually just straight up Stone Rain the remaining lands, which is pretty cool. Maybe I should build my uh, mono green ramp destruction, uh, land destruction deck that I. You know what you should do? With. You should play Jund and uh, play uh, four Ashiok. That can search their library. Uh, yeah, Dreamrend. I'm pretty sure that only works on your opponent's effects. Cannot cause them Does to search their really? library. I mean, this was printed in the same set as Field of Ruin. I'm pretty sure they saw this coming. Uh, At least Field of Ruin was no, not in the same set. But Field of, Field of Ruin was in standard. You're right. Yeah, you're right. When spells and abilities your opponent's control. So. Well, then what's the one? Um, uh, what's the, the creature? You own an arbiter that's not legal. Well, there's the one that's like you can only dig so many cards. Oh, Avon Mind Sensor. Yeah. Doesn't that work? That's a fun one in humans for the Pyre Mirror. <laughs> yeah, that actually you can cool. hit it off your Coco. Yeah, just if an opponent searches the library, Pyre up with it. Top four cards instead. And it's flash, so uh, you can just like hold yeah. it up. Fire in response? No. Though to be honest, if your opponent goes fire, you could also just flash in a. Uh... But then your effect is even mind sensor symmetrical. It's an old card. So no, it might be. if an opponent would, that's no. it. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, like you can also just flash in a containment priest, but that would mess you up if you're trying to do pyre stuff. I should. I that. should pick up some copies just to have a have one in my commander deck. Even mind sensor, or containment priest, or both. Uh, both. I mean, I have I have extra containment priest lying around. I can probably put that in my commander deck too. Um, but yeah, I <laughs> these are so sweet. What the fuck? Why is this dolly fifty five dollars? Is it the selfie one? Yeah. This is the one I have on Moto yeah. that I got for like two dollars. Selfie dolly is expensive. God, Moto is so insane. Where, Moto is insane. Where promos I, I are like a one, tick, and then... And standard cards are like 20 ticks. Yeah. Wild. Dude, we played the other day, and I was like, ah, I'm playing a memory deluge now in uh, in Grixis. I'll buy it on Moto. Fucking nine bucks. I was like, I, can, I think I bought my playset for that in paper. Yeah, like it's, it's insane, the prices, <laughs> how they work. You know, if 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 uh, Moto and gave any incentive uh, incentivization for um, players to play standard on it or open these well, sets, even even that though, like they're they're doing it for they did it for Kappa Cannoneer, and they've done it for Popper cards for all the gates from Baldur's Gate because that set's also not 
being open on MTGO, or at least I don't even think it's available on MTGO. So those cards are basically impossible to get, and they only come from tre treasure chests. So they were like, did they like five times the drop rate on these cards or something? On like a specific set of cards that was very desirable by popper players? Why haven't they done this for Ledger Shredder? Like, and like a whole bunch of these standard rares. I, I don't know. They, they really like they can do, do it. Something. They can clearly do it. The technology is there. The ability to do it is the there. Technology is there. The willing, the, the willing. Well, I mean, that's a thing they can always hide behind, especially if your program looks like it was made to run on a toaster. So they can be like, "Oh, the technology's not there," but it is there. They've done it. They're currently doing it. So why not do that for standard cards too? What's or just fucking give us Pioneer on Arena, right? One or the other. Yeah. Well, is Please. it? Yeah, fucking Double Masters is on Moto already, right? I have no idea. I think it is. Okay, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've seen I'm trying Seth to look at lists it. on Popper, and for some reason, like, it's hard to find, like, Swiss Beer lists on the top pages. Maybe it hasn't updated yet. I don't know. Maybe it's not as good. I mean, I find that hard to believe, right? A lot of people are playing the, the gate shenanigans I've seen. The initiative, take initiative, is a really powerful thing in Popper. Similar to um, Monarch. But what about both? Yeah. You should just make an elves deck in Popper, Alex. I know. I have most of the cards for it. I think, other than like Priest of Titania, which is really expensive, and Essen Warren, which is really expensive. But I have some of the cards. Let's put it that way. Add one mana for each uh, elf on the battlefield. Yeah. Cool. Priest of Titania is pretty nuts. Also hilarious in the mirror because it counts everyone's elves. Also fun. I've seen it in CDH because there's a lot of mana elves being played there too. Mm -hmm. And people just play Priest of Titania on turn two and someone else drops a Llanowar elf and someone else drops an elvish mystic and you're like, cool, tap for three. <laughs> you know what Pioneer needs? Just give us... Um, Elvish Arch Druid. Well, yeah, but... Give, I was going for more of a meme answer. I was going to say, give us a Fiendhorn Elves. Just let us have 12 Elves. <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly balanced. No, they should have just given us Boreal Elf in uh, Call Time. The fuck is Boreal Elf? It, instead of a, a, a green mana, it taps for a colorless snow mana. Woman elf. Dumb. I'm pretty sure. At least it would have worked with the snow mana instead of the two mana two to tap untap target snow permanent elf we got. Which is probably says another per target so it can't target itself, but No, I think it um, can target itself. So you could just disco dance with your uh with your elf for no reason. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could we could do an entire episode on like cards pioneers should get. <laughs> True. But I I have talked about this in the past. I, I sometimes sometimes they're very like fruitless discussions. Oh yeah. But we 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 talked about. I think we have already talked about this in the past. Like, what if M thirteen was part Dude, of? Dude, I'm telling you, man. Okay, th th this is what I want. Okay, this is what I want, Alex. I know they can't. 
I mean, they could, but it wouldn't make sense to. They're not going to retroactively go back. Okay, Pioneer's been expanded to M13 because it sets a precedence. Do one extra set. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that. However, they should do... They should bring back corsets. Yeah, where the fuck did they go anyway? Like, we just... Two years in a row or something, we've just decided, ah, fuck it, not doing a corset this year. Yeah, because they've replaced corsets with, like, the entry so like dominaria this year is the corset basically because it's gonna it's supposed to have like the same way afr was the corset last year the power level is a bit lower which i would expect the same for be true for dominaria because they're they're nice entry level types of magic sets for people they fill that same role as a corset um but but they they suck at it more yeah corsets are awesome corsets are probably my favorite sets they're the most boring like they're they're the best spot for reprints Yeah, they're a great spot for reprints, and they're also a great spot for just introducing cards in a format. Because M13 had, like, a bunch of random shit for, like, a few random tribes. I think M13 has, like, Elvish Archdruid and, like, two other playable elves in it. Like, it doesn't have to have an elves theme. They were just like, oh, here's a few elves. Uh, Master of the Pearl Trident, uh, Merfolk Staple, is in M13. Without, like, I think that set literally has four merfolk and a merfolk lord. Has the original O-ring. Yeah, like, there's just a bunch of really cool cards that should just... And... That's Battle Voice. That's kind of, like, why, I, why, why I'm always, like, the, the discussion is a bit, like, fruitless. If we're not getting core sets, we're basically getting none of these fucking cards. Mm-hmm. Like, so... And I, I really don't understand why corsets keep coming back and then going away and then coming back and then going away. And then they're like, hey, we want to make corsets easy. Didn't we, like, reintroduce protection with one of the corsets? And which phasing. Is like, what the f- which like, yeah, and phasing. Which, like, what the fuck do you mean you're making these sets easier? Yeah. Right? You're just putting, like, wacky, weird old mechanics in that nobody asks for. And then you're like, hmm, these don't work as an entry-level product. And it's like, no, of course not. If you're going to put fucking, right? If you play so, if you play with magic against someone for the first time, and they play like a mono-green deck, and you play a card that says protection from green, they quit. Because they're like, what the fuck is this bullshit? And kind of rightfully so. <laughs> this, so is, like, this is my thinking, okay? Or this is my wish. And this this will always be my wish. This is on like the, the as far as like super selfish. This is the top of like my pioneer wish list of all time, and it's not unbanned Kethis. That might not even be in my top five. If I think about it, because like I I've, I've moved on, I've 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 mourned enough. If we get him back, cool. The deck is gonna be fucking. You, you've atrocious. cried your last tear. It's so no, bad. It's right. such a bad deck. Sorry, feels bad. Whatever. But number one will always be M13 and Pioneer. And what I really wish they would do, and it'd be really cool for them to try, they should revisit corsets that they've made in the past and just like do like a remaster of it in paper. Dude, give me the give me the corset corset. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. Just give me core core core. Just that's just the name of the set. Just core core. And they just print all the relevant cards, just all the rares from core sets in one set. That'd be an amazing... Like, there you go. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're a couple years off, because Magic came out in, what, 94? Right? 
they're celebrate they're celebrating thirty years, but I think they're supposed to do that next year. Is it? The thing came out in ninety three. Ninety three. Okay, next year's core set should be that. Just core core. Yeah. They'll keep it. Actually, I say every rare from every core set. Scrap that because technically, like fourth edition, fifth edition, and stuff are core sets. I don't want Blood Moon. Yeah. Well, like, and I I know I know M thirteen could could have some problematic stuff in it, like um, a Boreal uh, or Arborel. I'm sorry, is in that set. Like that might be. Hey, more el- more dorks. Um, Elvish Arc Druid is in the set, so good for the good for that. Um, Thrag Tusk is a card people have said they don't want a pioneer, and I'm like, that's such a horrible low power level in comparison to where we're at mm. now. I think people 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 have it goes both ways. Rose tinted glasses. I mean, true. The only place we play it in modern is Trom, which is like Durr. Like yeah. Tron can play overpriced cards because that's a point of Tron. Um, a Chroma's Memorial would be a really funny uh, target for uh, Karn. Clock of Omens. That card is like, you never, the moment someone puts a Clock of Omens in play, they win the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that door to nothingness is just really funny. But come on, man. This but Dude, against the odds. This would be such a cool set to have in Pioneer. Cranko. Alex, do you think Cranko would be problematic in Pioneer? Probably not. Is he a 2-2? Two, two, or is he a 3-3? Three, 3-3. Three? Three, three. Dies the Lightning Strike. Yeah. Dies the Strangle. Strangle, yeah, he's probably fine. Um, Like, it's not like we're getting fucking, uh, what? We're not getting Kiki-Jiki. That's not in this set, is it? No. Kiki Jiki is from original Kamigawa. Yeah. Like that, that'd be the one to be wonky. Um, also, you know, it's a, a deck I really like that I would love to see get a little bit more support is the Mono Black Devotion deck with like uh, Drawn from Dreams kind of thing. Or Underworld mm-hmm. Dreams, sorry. Um, and you know, it'd be a really cool card for Mono Black Devotion Mutilate. What's that again? It's four mana, two double black sorcery. All creatures get minus one, minus one for each swamp you control. Oh, yeah, that one's cool. So turn four, it's just a, it's just languish. But like late game, it's a really good wrath. And like, that'd be sweet. Um, So like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I get it probably really unpopular and like people might not like things like Farseek in the format with like Niv but like would Niv really play for Farseek I don't know we've got all the triumphs now so like is there a reason to play for Farseek um I don't know I think if you run for Farseek for Sylvan Carry it did you can basically stop putting three drops in your deck. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's you, you reach a level of consistency if you go for that. That I think can be can be scary, right? Turning turning four offs into into eight offs becomes pretty scary in sixty card decks because it becomes very reliable to find. 
And like, I can imagine just like turn one, tap land, turn two, carry it in, or far seek, turn three, I don't know, like binding the old gods into whatever the fuck afterwards can be a pretty scary curve to play against. I just think the set's really fucking cool. It's a really awesome set. And like, uh, I don't think it'd be very problematic. I don't know. I could, I, it's very, I mean, I could be under-evaluating how good some of these cards would be. I just don't think it'd be that crazy. And to be honest, it seems like in line with a lot of the, uh, what's it called? Power level. But, whatever. Move on. Not focus on it too much. That's just my number one wish list uh, thing, is to have some of these cards in Pioneer. But, Alex, we do have, unless you have any other 5-0 list that you want to go over. No, I'm, uh, I'm good to go to the next point. We have a mailbag question. Yes. So we have a mailbag question, a uh, bit of a back and forth from um, Airbreather5000. Great name. On the Discord, again, where you, where you can always hop in the Pioneer Perspective mailbag and drop any questions you have, and we will try and answer them on the show. Um, so he first talks about the last episode and the discussion about graveyard removal and how to fight control decks. Um... And he basically, he had his own Grixis control list that he's been working on. But he also said, like, well, maybe not talk about my list specifically, but maybe a general discussion on how to put a control deck together from scratch, especially in such a wildly diverse metagame. Uh, and then he says also, either way, thanks for the content, boys. So thank you very much. Um, so he puts his own list here, and I will actually... Um, pull up his list and I will do the amazing podcast content of reading out a deck list um, but I'm going to try and use it as a sort of jumping off point and try and make some point. I had a quick look at this um, bit of a busy day wrapping up stuff before the summer holiday but I will go over his list and then I will make some points as to where I think your list can improve etc or what you can be looking at. So the list consists of, I'm going to go, this is a Moxfield deck, so let's start with the Planeswalkers. Planeswalkers, one Ashiok Nightmare Muse, two Narset Parter of Veil, one Raul is Advice Roy, one Soren the Merciless. The creature package consists of two Tassigur the Golden Fang, nothing else. The sorceries are two Dread Boars, one Languish, and then the Instant Speed is one Sensor, one Cling to Dust, four Consider, one Dig Through Time, four Fatal Push, four Fiery Impulse, three Make Disappear, Two Memory Deluge, two Murderous Cut, one Negate, one Spell Pierce, two Tain and Indulgence, and then the deck contains 24 lands. And then the sideboard consisting of Cling to Dust, Disdainful Stroke, Go Blank, Trespasser, Mystical Dispute, Rending Volley, and Weathering Runestone in differing numbers. So he gave us a bit of a note with this list. So I came up with this list to combat the aggro decks that are coming up in the format. Unfortunately, when I'm playing Antigio, I face nothing but Thoughtsy's decks until I swap to Spirits, and then I face all red decks. Hey, that's just the nature of magic. Mm -hmm. um, what was really missing in my testing was the option to go a little proactive mid-game, so I made room for three Trespassers in the board. Tassiger has been sick because there's a lot of common removal in the format that just doesn't touch him. Murderous Cut is also nice in that it can hit everything. One last detail, in this deck does kind of trade card advantage for access to quicker removal, so sometimes this deck ends up 
like Boomer Jones in a way with less threats. I originally had four Thoughtseize in this list, but ended up cutting them for the counter spells because I got tired of just losing to the top of my opponent's deck. Overall, I think what I need to decide is what matchups I'm willing to concede and which I'm not. And then that will influence final decisions on specifics. Ultimately, I want this list to play similar to Esper Control and Standard during Theros slash RTR block. Sadly, I have no experience with that deck. Um, hopefully we can collaborate to smooth this out. Cheers. So, I think you've already made a few... Uh, you made a few good points in this list, right? You are trying to combat a very aggro-heavy meta, and you're on 4 Theta Push, 4 Fiery Impulse. So you're on a lot of uh, early game removal, which is good, but then if you look at the mana base, uh, first of all, you're on 24 lands, and because you have so many 1-drops, I see 4 Watery Grave, 2 Steam Vents, and 2 Blood Crypt. So you run 8 Shocks. Generally, I'm a fan of running fewer, if possible. Because that's a way to, you know, you're making your deck better against aggro by running more one-mana removal, but you're forcing yourself to take more damage from your mana base to actually make that work. And I think that's already uh, where I see a problem with your deck. For example, I might be interested in trying to figure out if at least my four-off shock can be Blood Crypt, because it casts both. Both of the plays you want to be making on turn one, because even though Consider is a play you can make on turn one, it matters less if you can't. Though I do get the idea that if you have Watery Grave, you can have either Fatal Push or Consider. So you can kind of base it on what your opponent is doing. So I get the options there. But I think a good point you make already is that you have to decide what matchups you are willing to concede. To not have the problem that control decks often have, and I have done plenty of times in Milk in my deck is that when you're playing control deck, just like basically any control player, you are looking to have no bad matchups. You want to be able to control everything, but you can't, especially in um, Pioneer, because we're not having things like Revolted Fatal Push, an actual factual counterspell, that are these sort of generic threat uh, cards that can basically hit everything, right? We don't really have that. I think what I'm seeing in this deck, I'm just going to go over a couple of points from the start. So the first thing that I noticed is that your deck has a bunch of different win conditions. Um, you do not run the Gyre Reach Sanitarium to go with Narset, so I'm not going to consider Narset a win condition. Because I consider Narset a win condition if you run the Gyre Reach Sanitarium, because it means you can use her to lock people out of the game. You cannot do that. So you're on one Ashiok, one Rawl, one Sorin, and two Tassiger. And then you have one Hall of Storm Giants, one Den of the Bugbear. And I think unless I'm looking over something, that is it for the mana base. So you, you have a bunch of win conditions. And my list has this two to some degree. Because, you know, I run a bunch of Nicol Boluses because I think they're cool. But... If your control deck has a lot of different win conditions, it can be good to diversify your threats so that there is often a threat in your deck that works, whatever your opponent's playing. Again, that mindset of, I want to beat everybody, so I want to have Tassiger because he's good in some matchups, I want to have Rawl because he's good in other matchups, I want to have Ashiok because she's good in other matchups. Uh, they, what's Ashiok? Is Ashiok generalist? Uh, I think they are. Uh, but yes. Um, 
Yes, they're so, agender. Or at least, they, yeah, agender. Um, that's what I was trying to go for. But the problem when your spread of wing conditions is so wide, and also because they are generally medium cards, right? Tassiger, Sorin, especially Rawl. Like, Rawl's not the most common wing condition, uh, not the most powerful planeswalker. His minus is based on the amount of instants and sorceries in your graveyard, which you are constantly delving away. Uh, oh, also Exile. So it does actually work. Okay. But this makes me a little nervous because you're basically... If your wing, con if your wing condition is more consistent and you think of one thing, I think a very good example of this is is it Control that does the Magma Opus Torrential Gearhawk thing. There is basically one thing you are working towards. So you can constantly consider when you can plan out your game better because you're thinking okay the thing i want to eventually hit is magma opus torrential gearhawk so you can play around like for example if you're looking for a gearhawk hey i can let you have like this low power creature because i know i can take the damage and eventually flash a gearhawk in the way and just eat it for free right i can i can get to that point where you can't really do that if you don't know what you're drawing into. And I think this leads to another awkward thing in a control deck, where your control deck seems to fall between a control deck, like a draw-go control deck, and a tap-out control deck. So you have a bunch of sorcery speed threats, you also have a bunch of sorcery speed removal, like Dreadbore, but then you're running three Make Disappear. Which is a counterspell, but frankly, not a very good one. So, I would try and concise my win conditions and to try and get maybe, like, fewer fewer different ones. And you might even want a couple more in order to win. But I think another good place to be looking at is that you were saying, like, hey, and correctly, I need to acknowledge I'm going to lose some matchups. So... A spell that you run as a one-off, you could consider making a two-off, for example, instead of this make disappear, which is very narrow, is something like negate. And that is acknowledging that there are matchups out there, like mono-white humans, where negate is literally a blank piece of cardboard. And, by the way, Brad, I am rambling for a very long time. Please interrupt me if you have anything to, uh, to you know, counterpoint or add to something. So, y your list is a little all over the place, which a lot of control decks ends up being. Uh, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but it's like I'm trying to piece this together, and, you know, there's a lot to say about your list. Um, by which I'm not trying to say, like, oh, your list sucks. Like, there's clearly thought that goes into your list, and I can see where a lot of these decisions come from. But, for example, you say you're struggling against aggro, but then you run one sweeper. But sweepers are an amazing way to catch up against aggro. So you might want to consider running more sweepers. Again, I'm, I'm not going to try and give you the perfect 75 because I can't. But I'm trying to give you stuff to think about. And hopefully people who are listening, trying to build their own control decks. Or some of these lessons you might even be able to take into building different kind of decks. Um, try and take that with. So I see sorcery speed cards. 
but then I see instant speed cards that don't always mesh very well together. Where, for example, something like Torrential Gear Hulk is obviously a very easy shoe-in in control because it's an instant speed win condition that benefits from having instant speed cards in your graveyard. You know, works very well together, ties into what a control deck wants to do. Uh, finding a moment to tap out for Rawl can be a little awkward. Especially because Rawl just isn't the most intimidating planeswalker out there. He was pretty good in the standard day, but even then he wasn't very good. I played him. He was okay. Uh, so I don't know how he is now. And then I think the biggest thing I... For, I also find the one sensor really funny. I, I could just imagine that you absolutely mind game the hell out of your opponent by censoring a card in game one, and then they spent the rest of game two playing around a one-off. Um... But I see two Tassiger, two Murderous Cut, one Dig Through Time. And with one Dig Through Time and Roll and Sorin, who I, you know, I will, you know, won't beat around the bush, I think Sorin is a horrendous magic card. You should just play more of the good cards, right? I see no Shark Typhoon, I see one Dig Through Time. And it just means that the power level of your deck is just a little lower. And I think I think to try and tie it together, I also think your land count is too low for a control deck. You want to be on, even though you're running Consider, I want to be at least on 25. I'm currently on 26, but I don't run Consider. Um, so... You know, that's you. You might be okay with twenty five, yeah, but I consider you top out at five, pretty much. Um, I mean, technically, Tassiger and Murder's Cut can be six and five, uh, but I yeah I I look at this list and I think it. I know you control players. And I am using the term <laughs> you control players as derogatory as I possibly can. I love it. Love your fucking one-ofs and weird sprinkles <laughs> in your decks. Because, um, like, I'm telling it off, but I look at my list and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I do the exact same thing. Y'all need to fucking just be more streamlined. And I, I think one-ofs are fine here and there. It's like because you don't want to see too many copies of a certain card if it's not that great against every matchup. Yeah. A nice easy way to make your sideboarding cleaner. Like you, like you basically you have your game one cards that you can take out, and you know you're gonna probably board them away for games two and three. I think the Planeswalker sweep outside of Narset is underwhelming. Um, I like Soren. I'm not gonna say he's a bad card. I don't like him here. I don't like Ral in the slightest. And I don't like Ashiok at all either. Because here's the problem that I see. I see um, one, two Planeswalkers, uh, three, um, four, five, plus eight, it's 13. Um, I guess you can count Languish as well. It's 14. I, and I, I'll even count uh, Cling to Dust as well. So I see 15 cards... Oh, in Murder's Cut. That's 17 cards. 17 cards that are single spot removal, single individual threats that 
even counting your planeswalkers, nine times out of ten will just be something that you play, tap out for your mana at sorcery speed a lot of times too, and just kind of deal with a threat. And against aggro, it's not enough. Alex brought up playing more sleepers. I agree with that. I agree trimming down on your spot removal. I think four push four fire impulse is too much because you're not going to keep up. Yeah, I I, th- I think that this this idea draws inspiration from the obviously I can't look in their mind, but from the is it decks and is it phoenix that especially when expressive iteration was legal, is it phoenix ran up to ten one mana removal spells. But they also ran but, yeah. This is the deck that draws a million cards. Exactly, Ledger Shredder and uh, this thing deck in the doesn't. ice. They want to get your things going. Um, you want to have a lot of one mana things because a lot of times. How many times do you see a Phoenix player just, like, cast their one-mana removal spell on their own thing in the ice just to flip it or get that extra spell yeah. to get their bird out? I, I also think if you're struggling with aggro, the, the key against aggro is not only to kill their creatures as soon as possible, but you also need to start turning the game around. And, for example, a card that I would be running... Maybe even in the main, definitely in the side. I mean, it's in your maybe board. I see it here in your considerations. It's Enter the God Eternals. You could consider Kalidus, right? Um, I think. I think. I think main deck Kalidus. I, I would rather have Kalidus. I would rather have three Kalidus than your three Planeswalkers besides Narset. Maybe, but for example, if if we're trying to like build our deck to beat aggro, a card like Sorin that can really turn the game around like if if you stick a Sorin and your opponent either doesn't kill it or you have like Sorin plus push or even let's say you're on six mana right and you've got Sorin plus push plus impulse or something like that um if you reach that point with um Kalidus your one Kalidus is worth two fiery impulses in terms of your deck building. And maybe even more. Because that is the card that actually means you are now winning. Rather than... I think that is the point. This very much, with so much spot removal, is a deck that tries not to lose. But it is not a deck that tries to win. And I think that is an important part to consider when you're building control decks... And I think trying to finally tie this into some sort of bullet points you can take take home, uh, or <laughs> if you're already home, write down immediately, I guess, um, is that control players very often build their decks to not lose. But when you're playing a control deck, maybe, maybe even the first thing you consider, rather than how do I not lose is you consider, how do I win? So a control deck can often start, actually, by looking at its win condition. So you can be like, all right, I'm playing Shark Typhoon, I'm playing Torrential Gearhawk Dick Through Time, I'm playing Kalidus, or I'm playing Nicobolas Dragon God, I'm playing Teferi, or the Wandering Emperor. And you actually start from, okay, I now have a solid base that can win me a game. And then you start thinking, okay, now how do I not lose? Right? You have to sort of flip that logic around. 
rather than starting at... Alright, I've added a hundred cards that make me not lose. So if I just don't lose, I win, right? But that's not actually how it works. If you don't lose, you still have to actually do something to try and win. And this is why, for example, your logic behind running Tassiger, I think, is correct. Where if you have a very durable win condition, you might be able to get away with fewer. Where, for example, I tried him for a little time, and I, I fucking hate running Baby Jace in control decks. Because he dies to everything. So if you run Baby Jace in your control decks, you can't get away with, like, a playset of Baby Jace and a Planeswalker. And be like, that's enough win conditions. No, because your Jaces are constantly dying, so they're not good win conditions. If you run something like Tassiger, and you're like, Tassiger dodges basically all removal in the format, then you need only a few Tassigers, and you can get away with like five or six win conditions. But if you're running such a low amount of win conditions, you need ways to find them, like Dick Through Time. So I think that is a, a, a balancing act you're going to have to find in your deck. And if I try and... Again, like I like I just tried to do, and tied in a few wing condition, a, a, a few bullet points. I think first of all is just that you need to start playing to win and not playing not to lose. So again, a fiery impulse should maybe be a Kalidus. You probably need more win conditions, or you need more card draw to find them, because even once you've stabilized the game, if you give your opponent ten turns, they can find. Especially post-board, right? They can find a stupid silver bullet. You're at five and stabilizing. Your opponent drops his Chandra Awakened Inferno. You just don't have an answer to. And now you're dead anyway. Or they banefire you out of nowhere. Or like they have this other like stupid, exquisite firecraft type of bullet. That just means that, again, you lose. Um, the other thing is, is that, as you pointed out, you need to just give up. On some matchups where you just have to think all right I'm running this like generic card for example uh, I'm hesitant to put more negates in my deck well why is that well because I've seen this mono white humans list and I'm like all the other humans list have targets right Rectal's mid-range has targets the is decks have targets there's plenty that you can hit with negate run an extra negate right um, your deck is already so early game focused, maybe your spell pierce can be in the gate. So if the game goes a little longer, which it will, you don't want to be stuck with removal that only hits small creatures. Counter spells that only work when your opponent is um, is on low mana. Again, tying too much into that trying not to lose, but making it to turn five is meaningless if half your cards are now dead and dead weight and your win conditions aren't good um and i think lastly what i'll try and say well tying a little bit into that trying what kind of matchup you want to give up i think the third point is to try and have your game plan be a little more concise this means trying to trim one-offs that are kind of random or make them two-offs. Uh, I said just that, like, oh, I also fall for the trap of having a lot of one-offs. I just looked at my deck. I'm actually up to quite a few two-offs because, again, I'm trying to make my deck list a little bit more concise. So I'm up to more two-offs as opposed to one-offs um, of some cards. 
and try and balance around, you know, um, sorcery speed versus instant speed can be very important in control decks. You don't need every card to be an instant, but sorcery is a big cost to a card. Where, like, maybe instead of Dreadbore, you might be better off with a Soul Shatter, just because it's an instant, because it mashes better with what your deck is trying to do. But if you're going a little bit more towards the mid-range side, maybe you do want Thoughtseize back in your deck. And yeah, do you lose to the top of your opponent's deck sometimes? Yeah, but that's that's just magic, right? You can even do that, like, give up matchups. You might also consider giving up scenarios. Where you're like, yeah, if my opponent top decks the perfect card, I lose. Because if I think... I don't want to lose to my opponent's deck, a top deck. Okay, you can do that. But then where's your hard counter? Where's your sinister sabotage? That is actually the catch-all to almost every top deck. But you want to keep a low curve versus aggro, so you're running make disappear. But that doesn't actually protect you from your opponent's top decks after turn six. Because they're just going to have the mana to cast everything and pay the two. And you're basically never... Uh, triggering the casualty because you've got very little to sack to it other than like Ashiok tokens that you can consistently use. And I think the last tip I want to give is to look at your mana base. Just, can I run more lands? The answer is probably yes. You should probably run 25 lands, 26 lands. If you feel like, I should probably run half a land. Run a man land, run a cycle land, right? Just try and figure that out a little bit. And I think you also have to be a little bit critical. Or, for example, I see a field of ruin, but I see one island and one swamp. Like, this field of ruin is basically a colorless land. Because, again, your games go long. Because that's how your deck is built. So by the time, field of ruin might be relevant to, like, kill a castle from your opponent or something like that. You've probably drawn your island and your swamp, and now you've stone-drained yourself if you want to actually use the Field of Ruin, maybe don't bother with the Field of Ruin and acknowledge that in a long, drawn-out matchup, a blue-white control player is going to kill you with 1-1 tokens from their castle. Fuck it. Right? It happens. The card's like a one-off in some blue-white decks. doesn't matter. One thing I'll look at is, um, again, reiterating, play more two-ofs and three-ofs. Um, I would look at playing four Sinister Sabotage. I would I would want a hard counter in your deck. Um, I think the three Make Disappear one sensor is fine. Like, sure. Whatever. That That's fine with me. You're not going to turn on the casualty thing as much as often. So, like... Is there... Is there an idea of maybe that being Quench instead? I mean, you know, Quench is literally just worse Make Disappear. Isn't it three? No, that's Mana Leak. Oh, we don't have Mana Leak. Mana Leak's three. Quench is actually two. No, that that's... And I think that's a quick point I want to touch on, if it's okay, in Demir slash Grixis cells as opposed to Blue-White shells. Mm -hmm. Blue-White shells... Nowadays, they don't because they have Fateful Absence and March and actually good removal early game. Used to run cards like Make Disappear or Quench a little more often. But... If you're playing Grixis, you just straight up have good removal on turn one and two. Mm -hmm. 
And in Pioneer, I mean, sure, there's some, but there's not a ton of one or two mana cards that it really matters if they resolve and then you kill them rather than counter them, right? A werewolf pack leader, you, you can have it resolve, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have an ETB or a Luminarch Aspirant. Just kill it before combat. Uh, a blood tithe harvester. Okay, your opponent gets a blood. Like, that's, that's fine. But, like, if your opponent wants to use that early, they're spending mana on it, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, so that's ask. why they ran... Yeah, sure. You should ask yourself, why are you in Grixis? Because it's cool. <laughs> but that's why I'm. But in. seriously, why? There's four red cards in your entire deck. The entire seventy-five. Is the red that important to you? And if, and not only that, let's look at the cards you're running. Fiery Impulse, Rending Volley on the side, Dreadbore, and Rao. If you were just to go Demir, are you making a lateral move for a worse mana base from Demir to Grixis, or are you making a move that gives you better cards? I would argue yeah. that you could just run two mana removal spells in black over Fiery Impulse because... It's not always just a turn one play anyway, unless it's against an elf or whatever, short, whatever. Um, you can run a Blood Chief Thirst too, just one. Exactly, Blood Chief like Thirst right there fills in some, some of that spot. Because I think eight one-mana removal spells is too much. Um, Dreadbore yeah. could just be an instant speed removal in black at two mana. Um, or Soul Shatter if you want to hit the do the everything hit thing. I yep. mean... Heroes Downfall works. I personally like Soul Shatter more, but like you can pay one extra, but have the ability to step out of a color. And if you go into Demir, you get a cleaner mana base. Um, you can run Field of Ruin. You can still run Field of Ruin. Um, you can run uh, things like Shark Typhoon. Um, you can run March of Wretched Sorrow. I think if you have a problem with aggro matchups, one thing that... Blue-white is good against aggro for a reason because they have the better sweeper. Absorb being a hard counter by also gaining them life essentially can kind of be a pseudo-time walk in some instances against aggro. If you run like a one over two of March of Wretched Sorrow, then you can hit that gain life on your removal to help you out. And you can you can overspend on it, like the extra mana to get the yeah, extra life on it. I, I have played with March of Wretched Sorrow. I currently don't run it, but that's also because... I don't feel like I'm being completely overrun by aggro yeah. and I need to start running cards like that. But I have played it in the past when aggro was prevalent. And as opposed to Kalidus, Kalidus is like even more of like a knockout card, right? Because the game ends a couple turns later. Mm -hmm. But I've had games that were kind of close and I topped like a march and I just cast it for X equals 12, right? Yeah. And I just go from like 2 life up to 14 life and my opponent is out of cards and they're playing burn and it's like what are you going to do top deck 5 lightning strikes while I draw 5 lands yeah like, yeah I, th I think that is a very good point that like I mean unless you're like again, at the end of the day if you're just like a really big Raul fan and you, you just want to run the Raul and that dips you into Grixis right I do the same for Bolas I can't fault you um, but I will say which you are making a good point of 
if you are in is, is it uh, in Grixis, try and find good reasons for it. Like yeah, Maestro's I currently, charm. Uh, Maestro's Charm is a very big draw. Um, That's absolutely Colgan's a card if we're talking. Shatter, Prismari it, Command for also the Shatter and loot from a braid. A braid. A braid is also early removal, um, but it Nickel is, Bolas. I mean. Like three four is actually a good card. <laughs> it actually might be better than the three random one of uh, uh, planeswalkers yeah. you have. Um, the dragon god, like or uh, like the planeswalker, could be fine. Um, you can play things like Hazaret out the board, or Hazaret main deck as an extra like way to aggressively, you know, finish games. Um, you can go into a more tap out control style if you want to go. A um, bit more streamlined. You can go things like you can run Fable, um, and 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 Grixis. I mean, yeah. like there's there's. I'm not saying you shouldn't be playing Grixis. I'm I'm saying evaluate why you're in Grixis. What does the red give you? From what I see here, yeah. it looks like a lateral move for a worse mana base compared to a Demir shell, rather than is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. Especially once you dip into that color. Then try and be like, literally just do like a Scryfall search. And I, this is this is a rough one. Scryfall search, cards, red, go. Yeah. And just think of like, what am I getting? Or just look at red multicolored, at? including again, you, our, our Yeah, um, or, or you can look at just other lists. Again, you see things, Renning Volley, but a Braid. Um, yeah, cards like a Braid, Coligan's Command, Karanos, if you want like a grindy wing condition. Yeah. Um, those type of cards you can, you can look into like cards that are a little more valuable and make it more worth it to be in these colors uh, I think to quickly because we interrupted to, but to finish the thought on why I personally hate make disappear and cards like it I like sensor because you can turn three well you can cycle it but sensor is extremely important on turn three when you're on the draw so your turn two your opponent's turn three because that's when the cards come out, like Narset, Fable, um, what's the Chandra Dress to Kill. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when maybe you can even snatch a Karn from like a green player, uh, a Grease Fang that is like your opponent is not drawing and they like milled over a Parhelion and they're dropping a Grease Fang on turn three. Like those are the type of cards that Sensor absolutely fucking obliterates and can completely switch a game on its head. After that turn, most of the time, it's pretty shit, and you just cycle it. That's why I think Sensor is really good. But all the other two-mana cards, just just run removal, have it resolve, and then kill it. Right? Yeah. That's fine. It's going to serve you well. And if your opponent has a big beater in play, and you draw a two-mana removal spell, as opposed to a make disappear, that's, again, that, like... It's not only about surviving till turn five. And Heartless Act, in a lot of situations, is a really good top deck. Make Disappear is not a card after, like, turn five. And I think that's why I generally hate those. But blue-white decks used to have to do that because otherwise they wouldn't make it to turn five. Yep. But black doesn't have that because even though having it resolve and then killing it can net your opponent a little something it's fine to give them a little something early you can make up for that later blue white couldn't do that because giving them that little bit early game would just mean you were dead in black not the case just run heartless act eliminate something like that all right well 
before we beat the dead horse on uh, the ins and outs of Yeah, control. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> and pick apart every card and pull up a million examples, so please stop me. We will remind you that we are the Pioneer Respective, the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. Alex and I are two members of PlayingPioneer.com, so if you want to check out articles on there, go ahead and check out the site. Follow us on Twitter at Bradsford and Disciple of Bullets. Maybe Alex Lockdwayne, if uh, if he decides Maybe. to change it. Um, we have Merchant in Gaming. Go ahead and hop on there. Two links. First one's our own store. Second one is stuff that if you don't want to get stuff with our faces on it, affiliate link still helps us out if you get things. And uh, thanks to the Patreon members. Um, we had a new one. I almost dropped all my food. That would not have been good. I felt a thing of cheese hit my foot. Um, members for Patreon. We have Aaron Garrett, Patrick Newman, Bridger, and Sir Epic. Thank you guys so much for helping us out. Remember, if you want to become a Patreon... You do get early access to episodes, uh, at least at least a day early, um, sometimes more, and usually featuring video as well and extra ramblings of like 30 minutes to an hour before, so extra content for the podcast, all that good stuff, and we'll be adding more things soon on there. Otherwise, we love you. DMs. <laughs> and uh, hope you hear us ramble again next week. Bye-bye, Bye-bye everyone.